smashing heat records in BC. Because when you're out moving about, that's when you feel it. Canada's hotspot lives up to its name with a new all-time high. Schools close and businesses struggle to stay open. We're a family business and priority for us is our staff. What it takes to stay cool when you have no choice but to be outside. And a giant leap in BC's recovery from COVID. For most people who are infected, they are not passing this virus on to anybody else. More proof vaccines are working and what to expect when we reach step three. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Those stories in just a moment. But first, we begin with the latest on some breaking news involving a small plane crash on Vancouver Island. The plane went down in a neighborhood in Mill Bay. It's believed to be a six-seater Beechcraft Bonanza, and it crashed near some homes, as you can see, on Hayden Place in Mill Bay, just north of Victoria. Emergency Health Services confirms one patient was airlifted to hospital in critical condition. A second person was taken away in serious but stable condition. And Kylie Stanton is standing by now um, with homeowners who you've spoken to them, Kylie, with what they experienced there. What, uh, what a close call for them. That's right, Chris. Well, you can actually see the wreckage here behind me where the two people were inside that plane. Now, both are expected to survive. They were taken to hospital, as you mentioned, in stable and critical condition. But that's thanks largely in part to the homeowners here and the, the neighbours in the area and emergency crews. Now, at about 1.30, all of the calls started coming in that this plane had crashed. It came down on this fence behind me. And you can see there was some fires, emergency crews came on scene, homeowners called 911 and ran out. There was actually a nurse next door who came out and started extracting the individuals inside. I was first on scene, found that we did have a small uh, four-seater plane that did a nosedive into somebody's backyard. Uh, two people were on board and two people have been taken to hospital, one by Medivac and the other one by... Uh, ambulance to the hospital. No one else was hurt. Nobody else hurt? No, it's a good thing. It was a lucky thing. All right, Kylie, I know it's very early in the investigation, but is there any hint about what might have caused the plane to go down? Well, Chris, the Joint Rescue Coordination Centre actually confirmed that engine failure, failure brought the plane down. No word whether or not heat may have played a factor in that. All we know is uh, this plane could be here for several days before it's extracted, and crews will be on scene for several hours this evening. Chris? What a story. Okay, thanks very much, Kylie. Well, the B.C. community of Lytton has done it again one day after setting the all-time record for the highest temperature ever recorded in Canada, 46.6 degrees. They blew that record out of the water today by more than a degree, posting 47.9 late this afternoon. Our Grace Key is in Lytton to find out what it's like to live in real heat. Grace. Well, we are just on Main Street and this is the center of town. We wanted to ask the locals here exactly how they stay cool, but we had a little trouble finding all the locals. When your town breaks an all-time record for being the hottest place in Canada, this is how the townspeople celebrate. It's definitely quieter than maybe it usually would be during the work week, but because I think people are staying out of the sun, which 
I should probably be getting out of the sun too. I have a little town deli and sandwich shop. What's business like today? I think everybody is finding it's safer to stay at home in air-conditioned homes. Customers we did find at the deli, they're not even from Lytton. They're from Surrey. We were just talking about it, that it's history in Maine, in Canada, and today we are experiencing it. So we will be a part of history. It's, it's going to be the hottest day. Lytton is proud of being the hottest spot in Canada. At 46.6 degrees on Sunday, the mayor earned his bragging rights. Right now I'm getting a free beer from the mayor of Lillooet. <laughs> so whoever was the uh, hottest this summer had to buy the other mayor a, a beer. So They'll be quick to tell you the official weather station isn't even in the hottest place in town. It's tucked in a slightly lower elevation underneath some trees, and it's at least a degree cooler than the rest of the town. We're generally a little bit warmer than, than Lillooet, and they move there weather station to where it was the hottest in town too. <laughs> Lytton did set up a couple of cooling centers. It opened up its council chambers for people though. No one seemed to be using it. Locals say they're used to the heat. This is perfect. Think about it as being little warmer than perfect, okay, but almost perfect. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a little on the warm side. They are shattering new records, so it looks like the mayor of Lytton gets to keep his beer from the mayor of Lillooet. Back to you. <laughs> All right, thanks for that, Grace. And meteorologist Christy Gordon has more now on the record-breaking heat. How many new highs have we seen today, Christy? Well, so when it comes to daily records, there's a chance we could be close to 60 daily records across the province. But in terms of the all-time highs, we talked about Lillooet, uh, sorry, Lytton at 47.9. Here's a few others that broke all-time highs, not only today, but yesterday also. So yes, again, breaking a record all-time high in Kamloops, Abbotsford, and Kelowna with incredible heat. Now, in terms of daily highs, here's a few of them. Lillooet at 45.6. Suyu's close to 33. Same for Port Alberni. Castlegar, 41.3. And some closer to home here in the lower mainland. Uh, sorry, that should say Pitt Meadows. My apologies. But we're talking about low 40s away from the water here in the lower mainland. So, 50 to 60 daily records likely broken. We'll be updating those. If you're curious, we'll have the full list coming up on Twitter and, of course, on our online uh, a little bit later tonight once we tally all the numbers. Mm. Just incredible. All right, thanks for that, Christy. We'll talk to you in a bit. One of the most frustrating parts of this heat wave is the fact it's preventing many British Columbians cabin fevered from the pandemic from getting out of the house. As Aaron MacArthur reports, countless heat-related closures meant there were fewer places to go anyway. There are pots on the stoves, but they are not lit. The production line at Taco Mio is cold. At 6.30 Monday morning, the temperature inside the commercial kitchen was 99 degrees Fahrenheit. The safety of staff more important than serving any customers. The AC is uh, full on. We had fans all over the kitchen and still not enough. Um, the staff, you know, their safety is number one. Yesterday they were working. We had to close on early because some of the people weren't feeling well. Taco Mio shut all three of its Vancouver locations. But it is far from alone. Restaurants all across the region have sent staff home. The kitchen's just too hot. The work conditions too dangerous. It's a no-brainer. I mean, it's been a rough year as it is. We've asked a lot of our staff over the last year, year and a half, 
it's pretty easy to give them a day off today. Of the places still open, most serving a cold menu. Customers have abandoned patios as they take shelter in the air conditioning. In Port Moody at the Fraser Mills Brewery, the difference in temperature inside and outside is 20 degrees Celsius. Uh, yesterday, unfortunately, I think we had about six tables, so definitely not our uh, standard weekend by any means. The heat has interrupted everything from schools and daycares to vaccination clinics, even some golf courses. The heat too extreme to continue anything near the normal course of business. Landscapers and construction crews were out working Monday, but WorkSafe BC urging businesses and bosses to consider taking action to let people go home early. What work do you have to do today or, or tomorrow? Uh, can it be done in cooler conditions? While Tuesday will continue to be hot, most school districts intend to be open for the last day of classes, at least for the morning hours. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, keeping cool has suddenly become the number one priority in many people's lives. Ahmad Agahi is live in Vancouver. Ahmad, some people are buying themselves respite from the heat and others are trying to cash in. That, I guess, we should have seen coming. The high demand for cooling fans, an opportunity for others to make a profit on another intense day of heat and another day of trying to stay cool as best you can. <laughs> If only this pop-up misting station was available in every neighborhood. Fantastic. Day three of this unprecedented heat wave appears to have been the most intense. I turned my tuck bed into a massive cooler. So that's ice cold. For some, there is no protection and little help. I've encountered at least two people with heat exhaustion down here, possibly a third. I've called 911. It's clear now, if it wasn't before, the sun is to be avoided, if you're outside at all. So not even these extreme temperatures are going to stop this game, eh? No. no. Nothing. Some escaping to the cool confines of a shopping mall. Yeah, we just need to get out of the heat. I think a lot of people are doing the same by the looks of it. Others are checking into hotels. People who are still working from home are looking for a cool place in order to be productive, set up a home office in a hotel and be able to sleep well at night as well, especially if they don't have air conditioning in either their apartment or their home. We don't feel that we need to go that far. Speaking of going too far, there are also those taking advantage of the situation. Online ads for used fans are sometimes marked up four to five times the retail price. All our patios are, are tented and, um, you know, lots of ice cream in the freezer. The ice machine at this Ambleside restaurant had a hard time keeping up with demand. The heat, just an irritant for those here. But experts say taking it lightly can end up badly. You want to be aware of those symptoms, whether it's uh, dizziness, nausea, uh, even eventually vomiting, you know, high, rapid pulse rates. You, those are the signs, and you might have to think about them for somebody else. Maybe you know an elderly person who's living by themselves, check up on them, make sure they're hydrated, make sure they're cool, find some air conditioning. Environment Canada says this is a potential warning sign for a hot summer ahead, and one which could also have something else in store. 
Now, those pop-up misting stations you saw at the beginning of the story, there's about eight to ten of them in Vancouver. The city also tells me it has crews driving around with uh, ten pallets of water donated by the food bank and that it is handing out. And uh, our crew here sure is hoping one of those crews shows up in about 30 seconds because we're running pretty low as well. Yikes. <laughs> All right. Stay hydrated. Thanks, Imad. Time to replenish the stash. All right, BC Hydro has some simple tips to keep your home cool during the heat wave. First of all, close your drapes and blinds during the day. That can block up to 65% of the heat. Keep your doors and windows closed to keep cooler air in and hot air out. Use fans, which cost just $7 a day to operate and are much cheaper than air conditioners. And if you do buy an air conditioner, Make sure it's an Energy Star unit, which uses up to 40% less power than others. And use smaller appliances like microwaves, crock pots, or toaster ovens to avoid the heat produced by larger appliances like the oven. On both Saturday and Sunday nights, we broke our peak hourly demand record for the summer. Um, and we expect to see that happen again tonight as temperatures continue to climb. Unlike our neighbours in the south that were facing some um, potential blackouts last week, we're really lucky here in BC. We rely on this great, clean hydroelectric system, and there's no concerns for any type of outages or, or not having enough power. RCMP are investigating reports of a dog in a crate strapped to the back of a recreational trailer traveling between the Lower Mainland and the South Okanagan. Now, both the driver and the pooch have since been located, and while the dog is said to be okay, as Shelby Tom reports, police are working with the SPCA to determine what happens next. It's a shocking image, a panting German shepherd locked in a crate and strapped to the back of a traveling RV on Highway 1 in the Fraser Valley Sunday amid a blisteringly hot temperatures. I was behind the trailer and I'm like, there was a dog crate and I'm like, oh, please, dear God, please do not let there be a dog in there. And we were at a, a light on Delaire Road in Sumas Way and there was a dog Panting. Peter snapped these disturbing photos and contacted police with the vehicle's license plate number. The dog's tongue was literally sticking out the side of its mouth, panting for dear life and looking at me and saying, please save me. And it broke my heart. Other horrified drivers also contacted authorities as the RV headed eastbound near Hope. I was horrified. I was appalled. I was angry. I actually cry. A vehicle matching the description was reported traveling east on Highway 3 near Karameas around 8 p.m. RCMP and the Interior are investigating and say the vehicle is registered to a business in the Lower Mainland. The SPCA says if the allegations are proven, it could constitute an act of animal cruelty and the dog's owner could face serious repercussions. The maximum penalty under the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act is a $75,000 fine and or a prohibition from owning animals, a lifetime prohibition, and or a two years in prison. I just can't imagine the psychological distress this animal went through. The Animal Protection Agency urges pet owners to take precautions to prevent their animals from overheating during BC's historic heat wave. They're better off at home with access to fresh water uh, do not leave your dog in the car. Shelby Tom, Global News.
Experts say the needs of pets and people under these conditions are basically the same. Veterinarian Adrian Walden says if possible, give your animals access to the cooler air from a fan or an AC unit. Set up a mister or have a cool wet towel for them to lay on or under. Do your best to keep your pets out of the direct sun and keep them well hydrated. One of the things is making sure that your pet is drinking enough water. Now, sometimes you can do that by just adding a little bit of ice to it to cool it down. Sometimes you can just take a low-sodium Bovril cube or chicken broth, add some flavor to the water to get them to drink a little bit more. Sometimes, if they're really having a hard time, you can also use a little bit of diluted Pedialyte, not Gatorade, into their water to try and replace some of the electrolytes. And while you're keeping an eye on your pets, remember cats and dogs actually do much of their cooling down through panting and through their feet. Well, July 1st holds a lot of meaning beyond Canada Day. It's when BC reaches step three in the restart plan. The evidence we are emerging from the pandemic and what you should expect as we do next on the news hour. There is nothing quite like a cold shower in a heat like this, and that holds true for horses as well. The impact at the show ring and the racetrack coming up on the news hour. And a 102-year-old veteran who won't let the heat slow him down, fundraising once again for his favorite cause. That's later. Three counting periods of COVID-19 numbers to report today, and the trend continues to look very good. We have 145 new cases. That brings BC's total to 147,549, with just 930 of those cases currently active. 107 people are in hospital, 37 in the ICU. Now, sadly, we have lost five more people to complications of the virus, and that includes someone in their 20s. Those numbers and the most recent modeling data show the province has been very successful in crushing the COVID curve. As Richard Zussman reports, thanks to the combination of the mass vaccination program and the pandemic circuit breaker restrictions, the next step of reopening should happen on Canada Day. Taking the next step. We are at the point where I believe it's important that we take away orders as soon as we can and that we take what we call the least restrictive means. The province expected to announce Tuesday a move to step three, meaning on July 1st social gathering limits will be dropped, the state of emergency will end and masks will go from being mandatory to recommended. So it is in many ways an incentive for people who have been immunized, have received two doses of vaccine, that masks are no longer that last line of defence that you need. And this is why the seven-day COVID-19 new case count continues to plummet from 261 new cases a day May 31st to 62 now. Hospitalizations dropping from 249 on May 31st to 107 now. And look at the active cases from nearly 3,000 on May 31st to 930 now. For most people who are infected, they are not passing this virus on to anybody else. And that's how uh, the epidemic, the pandemic will fizzle out over time. There's one big concern, the Delta variant. Look at this. Most scenarios in color on the right look good, but if contacts go up and so do variant cases, that could lead to concern, but not enough to lead 
to backing away from dropping restrictions. We need to know that we are, this virus is going to be here, but it's not going to be in a way that's disrupting our lives like it has for the last 18 months. WorkSafe BC also announcing plans Monday to move from COVID-19 safety plans for step three to communicable disease plans. This will mean all workplaces across the province starting July 1st will need to update plans. Things like washing your hands, things like keeping a clean work environment, ensuring good building ventilation. The province also confident because vaccines are working, preventing seven out of 10 cases of COVID spread. The formal announcement of heading to step three on July 1st, expected tomorrow afternoon at 1.45. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, Keith Baldry joins us now live. And Keith, case numbers are low and getting lower. But now that people are getting vaccinated, how many of those so-called breakthrough cases are we seeing in people who have received their shots already? Yeah, they are called breakthrough cases, Chris, and thankfully the numbers are low and they're going to not really rise that much because the COVID-19 numbers are dwindling in number. Here is what the current situation is in terms of the breakthrough cases, about 2% infection rate. That works out to approximately 2,800 people. Uh, 268 of those people have been hospitalized. 65 people have died, including nine people after two doses. But, and this is important, but the vast majority of hospitalizations and deaths involve people who were over the age of 80, even 90. And again, a number of them had underlying health conditions. Dr. Bonnie Henry walking us through the, the statistics today of what happens when you get uh, vaccinated in terms of COVID-19, the chances of getting sick with that virus. The rate of infection, uh, the proportion of cases that are um, people at least seven days post-dose two is about 0.2% uh, and it's about 2% for uh, people uh, 21 days after dose one. And uh, I recall there's 65 people who have died after having dose one. Uh, there were nine cases of people who died after dose two. So it's likely we've uh, peaked some weeks ago with the breakthrough cases because our numbers have been declining for some time now, as Richard's story uh, pointed out. So in terms of breakthrough numbers, don't expect a big increase in the weeks or months ahead because as we get more and more people vaccinated, fewer and fewer people are going to get the disease and fewer and fewer people are going to get it after they're vaccinated. It's uh, another good news story here. And we'll adjust to a new new normal on Thursday. Thanks very much, Keith. Up ahead, refusing to give up in Florida. The search and rescue operation continues. The warning of structural problems at a Miami building long before it collapsed. And where do you get your groceries? A new study shows our shifting habits when it comes to the food we buy. Returning to our top story now, some new developments in that breaking news involving a small plane crash on Vancouver Island. The plane came down in a backyard, and that's where our Kylie Stanton is tonight. Kylie, bring us up to speed on the crash and reaction from the homeowners who I'm sure were shocked. Yeah, so if you can actually see the wreckage behind me, it's right over my shoulder. Crews still working there. Two people were on board, said to be a father and a daughter. Now, both were taken to hospital, one in critical, one in stable condition, but they are expected to survive, thanks in large part to these emergency crews here and neighbours who were first on scene. Now, reports started coming in just about 1.30 this afternoon that a beach bonanza plane had gone down on Hayden Place. It had taken off from Seashelt but lost altitude. Eventually, 
nearly crashing into the fence and narrowly missing several homes in the area. The homeowner came running out and called 911. She and her neighbor, a nurse, began extracting those on board. A good outcome, but emotional for all those involved. I scream for my neighbor because she's a nurse and <laughs> we're, houses are really close together and her and her husband hopped over and we all just kind of ran there and we could hear someone calling out, help me. And so we, uh, my neighbor hopped over the fence and um, I got my <laughs> garden clippers and we cut open the fence and we got the girl out and got her stable and um, yeah, so then we had to wait for the first responders to get here and uh, help to get the, the dad out. It was the dad and daughter and um, they were both really brave and really strong. Now, the Joint Rescue Coordination Centre has confirmed engine failure brought this plane down. No word on whether or not heat may have played a role in that. Now, the plane will be here probably for several days before it can be extracted. Emergency crews should be wrapping up tonight. Chris, Sophie? All right, Kylie Stanton reporting for us uh, in Mill Bay. Kylie, thank you. All right, now, as we slowly come out of the pandemic, a new Canadian study reveals some trends in where we're shopping for the things we need most. Independent retailers are very popular with customers committed to supporting locally owned and operated grocery stores. Consumer reporter Andrea joins us now with more. And Thanks, Sophie. While many small businesses have struggled during the pandemic, the results of a Dalhousie University poll show Canadians appear to sympathize with independent grocery sto stores, although not all consumers are putting their money where their mouth is. The school's Agri-Food Analytics Lab recently surveyed more than 10,000 Canadians on the future of grocery shopping. When asked what percentage of total grocery purchases they think they'll make at local business, in the next six months, nearly 61% of those surveyed said they want to spend up to 19% of their food budget at independently owned and operated stores. 16.6% of respondents said they'd spend 20 to 29% locally. 16% said they'd drop 30 to 59%. Well, just under 7% said they'd spend 60 to 80% or more at independent grocery stores. I wasn't surprised when I read that stat because that kind of mirrors the experience that we've seen. And I don't think it's just in the grocery business. I think you see a lot of people really wanting to support local businesses more so now than ever before. We've gained a lot of new customers. I think a lot of those customers will stay with us. I think for a lot of people out there, they've learned how important it is to support local businesses. Stong's market says it saw a huge influx of business both in-store and online when COVID hit last spring and people were staying in and cooking at home instead of dining out. Its president says they've seen a boost in customers through the pandemic year along with more demand for local products. But aligned with the will to support independent grocers, the Dalhousie data clearly shows a local paradox. While customers want to see local items on shelves, the support drops significantly when asked whether they intend to buy. The survey found 75% of Canadians want grocers to carry more local products, but only 47.4% intend to buy more local food food items in the next six months. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Can't just browse local, you gotta buy local too. Good point. To make it work, thanks Anne. Up ahead, the climate change reality check. Most of the impacts are going to persist and in many cases they will intensify. More than 700 pages in a new report outlining how Canada is going to have to adapt.
And the agonizing wait for word of survivors who might still be trapped in a collapsed Florida condo tower. All right, now back to Florida, where the rescue effort continues at the site of a collapsed condo tower. As Global's Reggie Cicchini reports, there are new questions tonight about the building. The search and rescue operation continues. Hope, well fleeting, still acts as a lifeline for the scores of families waiting for an update on their loved ones. We're going to continue and work ceaselessly to exhaust every possible option. It's a slow and painstaking task. Cranes meticulously maneuvering pieces of a collapsed tower while teams scour every inch of what was once a thriving community, now buried under a building that in 2018 was flagged as needing timely structural fixes. Timely can't possibly mean more than two and a half years later. Lawsuits on behalf of the victims have already begun. We uh, directed our staff to go ahead and scan every shred of documentation that the town of Surfside has. And investigations are planned, but the results will take time, something families and possible survivors simply don't have. Private updates, sometimes with sensitive details, are held regularly as more of the site is explored. It's going to take time. Many of the victims are from the area's close-knit Jewish community. At the request of families, the search effort includes Israeli rescue teams. We came first of all for the all human being. Doesn't matter which religion or so. So now is our time to come and to say we are here with you. These teams say they've witnessed miracle rescues before. But as the hours pass by, the reality is setting in. We never want to give up hope, but we also understand that a lot of time is going by. And accountability is now under a spotlight after a 2018 report highlighted a series of structural deficiencies in the building, but a town inspector then gave that same building a pass only five weeks later. Meanwhile, rescue crews continue to use sonar devices at the site to continue to listen for any potential survivors in any of the voids that might exist in the rubble, while families from here at the reunification center board buses to take them over to the site, offering them a sense of closure and a moment to reflect. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Surfside, Florida. Back to BC's heat wave now, and the timing is coincidental, but it's underscoring the main message in a new wide-ranging federal government report on the impacts of climate change. As Catherine Urquhart tells us, one of the major themes of the report is that the impacts of a changing climate are going to intensify over time. Staying cool and hydrated, not easy these days, as the sun scorches this province. And according to a new 734-page report released by the federal government, this could be our new reality if we don't take action. Climate change is happening now, that most of the impacts are going to persist, and in many cases, they will intensify. So with this knowledge, we have a need to adapt now. Canada in a changing climate finds that no community is immune to the impact of climate change. The report notes our lack of preparedness for climate change, including inadequate resources to fight wildfires and our aging infrastructure. They put less money into responding to climate change than they put into, into subsidizing oil and gas. So until the actions match the urgency that these reports are telling us we need, then we are failing to respond appropriately to climate change. The Sierra Club points to the Trans Mountain Pipeline Project as well as old growth logging practices. 
saying as long as they continue to be funded, we can't possibly get ahead of the problem. Every system has a breaking point. This heat wave is a reminder there are dangerous limits. Climate change is expected to have massive financial and human costs, according to the report, unless there's change. We are not equipped to deal with this kind of heat. It is dangerous. It is a public health emergency. And with the trajectory of climate change, this is one of the coolest summers we will have. They will get hotter. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Can't believe it could get much hotter than uh, today. But Christy, Li uh, Lytton was the hotspot in Canada, but not just Canada, all of the continent. Yeah, so from my search anyway, Sophie, I tried to find a spot across uh, the U.S. that was hotter than Lytton, and I didn't. Uh, here's a quick look. Palm Springs hitting 47 degrees, and we know that Lytton hit 47.9. So uh, the heat wave is ex being experienced all across Western North America, and uh, yeah, we were still the hot spot. Quite incredible. Okay, so when will we get relief? Tomorrow, a little bit of relief. We're talking about maybe two, three degrees cooler than what we saw today, but that may give a bit of a break, and then certainly into Wednesday. Wednesday, we'll see a drop again. Uh, still, we have no rain in the forecast as far as we can see and no significant drop to near seasonal values, which at YVR would be about 21. Fraser Valley, it will be hot again tomorrow in the upper 30s uh, with the humidity feeling closer to 40, but you'll get some relief by Thursday. But the central Okanagan, it looks like this heat wave will extend another two, maybe three days for you before you only get a slight relief as you head towards Friday and Saturday. Now, big concern now is the potential for some lightning in the Caribou region, the Thompson region, and down towards Merritt as well. We have no major rain and no significant rain in the forecast as far as we can see. So uh, we've had 18 fires in the last week with it being so dry out there. And to, tomorrow with the chance of lightning, that is really cause for concern. So there's your seven-day forecast. Be really careful when you're enjoying the great outdoors doors, and careful yourselves with this heat. Tonight's central windows weather window from Abbotsford. Marge sending us this where on her deck it looked like it surpassed 50 degrees she was able to fry an egg and i have one more from you for you from jerry who said yeah his vinyl records have taken a bit of a beating no. oh <laughs> i can't quite tell which yeah. record that is but That's terrible Oh, protect your records. No, people. me neither. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, Squire is here with a look ahead to uh, sports and some incredible things happening in the uh, in the world of sports today. Well, the two games at the Euro were amazing. We'll show you those. Uh, Vashik Pospisil started well at Wimbledon, and of course, it's game one of the Stanley Cup final. So much going on. All right, also tonight, horses perform better than humans, generally speaking, in the heat. But we'll show you how this is even too much for them. Weird to be talking about it in a heat wave, but the action oh. on the ice. Look at is... this. My tie is the wrong way. Oh. See that? Oh, what's going on there? Watch this, everybody. Okay. See? Now it's fixed. Man, I didn't even notice the difference. I, I, I don't know what you just said. I just, the bottom part was longer than the top part. Oh, that's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Okay, the playoffs have been crazier than my hair. That's accurate. And in the history of the NHL, the Montreal Canadiens were expected to be in the Stanley Cup Finals many times. That's why they have won more Stanley Cups and been in more finals than any other franchise. But these Canadians were not supposed to be the Canadians of your parents, your grandparents, or your great-grandparents. They have surprised everyone 
by getting this far. But facing the Tampa Bay Lightning, last year's champions will be tougher than any of the other teams they've gotten by so far this year. Let us go to Tampa Bay for game number one. And who gets the first goal? Well, none of the big names, but it's a Tampa Bay Lightning. Eric Cernak, who goes to the net and tips in that shot. That pass from Andre Palat, not a shot, a pass. And that makes it 1-0 as he beats Carey Price. Then in the second period, the puck falls the right way for Tampa here. Blake Coleman gets the shot, and Yanni Gord tips it in. Take a look. Right there, puck falls perfectly for Coleman. His shot is tipped in, 2-0 in the second. To Wimbledon we go, where BC's Vosik Pospisil starts off against Roberto Carbea Baena. And Pospisil with a nice backhand wins the first set. Six to three. Pospisil is a much better grass player than his opponent. If this was at the French Open, it might be the opposite. But Pospisil won the second set, six to three. And he would win the third set by the same score. And Pospisil moves on to the second round at Wimbledon for the third time in his career. Novak Djokovic, if he wins this, he equals Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer for most Grand Slams at 20. Taking on Jack Draper of Great Britain, who actually won the first set, but then Djokovic began to get his act together. Of course, he just recently won the French Open. Uh, the guy he beat in the French Open, Stefano Sissipas, was upset today. He was knocked out. And I should mention all the other Canadians, aside from Pospisil, will play tomorrow. Needless to say, Two Novak Djokovic came back to win this in four sets. All right, to Euro we go. Croatia and Spain. Watch this bizarre goal on Unai Simone. Did he lift his head just for a second? Whatever the case, the back pass finds its way in the net, and Croatia is up by the score of 1-0 in the 20th minute. But then Spain just keeps on a scoring. Ferran Torres, this would make it 3-1 with not a lot of time left. But Croatia rallies. Mario Pasalic will tie it. 3-3. So they go to extra time. In extra time, there were two more goals. Both by Spain. Alvaro Morata will get this one. Nice volley. 5-3 the final for Spain. Over a very tough to get out Croatia. Switzerland and France. France expected to win this game. Karim Benzema, two goals in about two minutes, gives the French a 2-1 lead in the 59th minute. Then a great shot here from Paul Pogba. Top corner, Brill, 3-1. But just like in the other game, Switzerland rallies. Mario Goranovic, 3-3, and they go to penalty kicks, and this is how it ends. Switzerland has made its first five penalty kicks. Mbappe to keep it going. No. Jan Sommer. Sommer leads to France's fall. Get it? Switzerland moves on. All right. Uh, both Hastings Park and Fraser Down Racetracks are hoping to get some government money to help them through this season. Fraser will start later in the summer, but Hastings is already going without fans, but bringing in only about 35% of its normal revenue. They need to know by Friday if they have financial help. Otherwise, they won't be able to race past early August. We only have enough money to run half a meet. Rather than 50 days, 25 days. 
We've engaged with government. We're looking for government help in order to keep the 700 jobs throughout the province that racing provides. And we're expecting an answer this week. And we sure hope it's a favourable answer. And we sure hope we don't have to end this race meet in the beginning of August and see all these people lose their jobs. Stage three at what has become the Tour de Crash so far. Final 10K. Caleb Ewan and Peter Sagan touch wheels and both hit the pavement hard. Sagan got up, but uh, Ewan, a suspected broken collarbone. Tim Merlier of Belgium wins the stage. Matthew Vanderpool still has the yellow jersey. And there you go. Man, when those guys go down, they go down so hard. Not a lot of padding. No. No, not at all. All right, up next, no horsing around at the stables today as they try to rein in the effects of the heat dome. That's next. Everyone's hot. The horses are hot. <laughs> Too hot. That is true. That's even though horses run at a higher core temperature than humans. We're 98.6, they're about 101. But when they exercise, when they're running and racing, they lose about four times the electrolytes as a human. So for them, when it's this hot, it's pretty hot. I think that was horse talk for thanks for the cold shower. Because just like us, horses are feeling the heat these days. And out at the Thunderbird Show Park, horses were being kept inside during the hottest hours and kept cool in many of the same ways we do. We like to hose them off throughout the day, give them lots of water, just keep them cool. Yeah, how many times a day do you do that? Oh, four or five times hose them off, water constantly filled, you yeah. know. Is there any, uh, anything done differently uh, since it's so hot this week? Oh, for sure. Just keeping them cool throughout the days, you know. And it's the same thing for horses at Hastings Racecourse. In fact, there won't be any races this week at Hastings because the temperature coupled with the humidity make it unsafe for horses to run at top speed. And when you've got high humidity, that process that the horse uses to cool itself, the evaporation of the water particles that are sweated off the horse, it's not as efficient because high humidity, you don't get the same evaporation. And at both Thunderbird and Hastings, if the horses are to be exercised, it's done in the morning when it's not as hot. We've changed training hours. We are starting now at 5.30 in the morning so that we can get the horses out when it's cooler. Get them out, get them on the racetrack, get them exercised, get them back to the barn, cool them out, back in their stall. The health of the horses and the health of the riders are number one. It's our paramount concern here. There's a little number they use at the racetrack. So if you convert Celsius to Fahrenheit, add that number to the Humidex. If it goes over 140, no racing. Unsafe. Stay home, like a lot of people feel like doing right now as well. Last word on weather before we go, Christy. So a little bit of relief tomorrow, but not much. Wednesday, again, a little bit more relief. But, you know, normal for this time of year is 21, and we're not going to drop down to that um, over the next seven days, basically. So incredible. Stay cool out there. Thanks for watching, everyone. Three ice packs chilling in my freezer right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need every one of them. Good night, all.